I think what's interesting is a, a lot of people, including myself and including IBPA, the larger association that I work for in our statement, have said, you know, we don't think captions is a terrible idea. We're not against the concept of doing this. We think that a full rollout without a real due diligence is a problem when you're dealing with new technology and you're dealing with copyright issues that haven't been sorted through yet. That's my guest, Angela Bowl, who's familiar to all of you as the CEO of IBPA. And we're talking about audible captions and the controversy that's begun over rights and permissions in the publishing world. Now, this is a really important issue that gets to the heart of licensing. As a publisher, what do you control and what do you give away when you sign on with a company like Audible? And more important, when Audible or some other licensor begins to expand their idea of what rights they have without consulting you, what can you do about it? Anything? But first, let me welcome you to Inside Independent Publishing with IBPA. Thanks for streaming in. I'm an independent publisher, and I'm your host, Peter Goodman. Uh, Inside Independent Publishing comes to you from IBPA, the Independent Book Publishers Association. IBPA's mission is to lead and serve the independent publishing community through advocacy, education, and tools for success. For more about IBPA and how it can help you be a better publisher and sell more books, whatever kind of publisher you are, go to ibpa-online.org. And you can also tweet questions and comments to me at the handles at Peter Goodman or at IBPA. Okay, let's get started. I'm here talking today with Angela Bowl. Angela is the Chief Executive Officer of IBPA, the Independent Book Publishers Association. And today uh, we want to talk about something that's very much in the news, which is the Audible captions controversy. Audible is the uh, largest uh, publisher and vendor of recorded books. Uh, to put this into some context, they are owned by Amazon. Uh, so that should tell you a lot of what you need to know about uh, where their thinking might be. But for more details on the controversy that has been developed over the last uh, two months or so, uh, I'll ask Angela to fill us in. So what's this all about, Angela? Hi, Peter. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Um, what is this all about? Well, I think it's about um, essentially Audible's right or their non-right to display the text of books. If, if you know what Audible is, it's an audiobook platform, and they certainly have the right to have the audio of the book listened to and heard uh, by folks. But you know, all rights are different if you're working with an, a contract with an author and they don't necessarily have the rights to display the text of the book. Um, or at the very least, it's unclear whether they have the right to display the text of the book in all cases, you know, in perpetuity, if you will. So that's basically what we're talking about is they wanted to roll out uh, text, essentially captions, as as they say, as it's called. They wanted to roll out captions on all of their audiobooks and the publishing industry said, hey, wait a minute. Uh, we're not exactly sure you have the rights. And in fact, we think you don't have the rights to display the text, um, essentially creating an enhanced ebook, if you will. Right. So, so as I understand it, you, you have the, uh, the audible book and you're listening to it. And as you're listening to it, the words that are being spoken are flashing across the screen of your phone, pretty much in sync with the voice that is, that is reading them. 
Is that right? Yep, that's right. Think um, I think of it as like Star Wars, you know, <laughs> with the beginning right. of Star Wars. It kind of scrolls up in the beginning. Um, and it's all machine generated. I mean, that's an important thing to know about it. It's not a human being who has transcribed this. Um, it's important to know because that's one of the contentious issues that there are errors in the text. Oh. Um, they are not being, it's not being, you know, completely subscribed or written correctly, if you will, at all times. So I, I was looking at the, uh, the audible, um, the site and they, they have a, a, de- a declaration or a letter that they put up on August 23rd, where they're basically saying, uh, <laughs> ah, we don't know what the, what the big deal is about. And they say it is not, and was never intended to be a book. And if we think of what a book is with with full pages of text, I guess uh, I understand what they're saying because you're basically getting like a line or two at a time and it disappears. And it's not like you can go back to it unless you actually go back in the audio tape and then find that spot again. So uh, in, a, in, a, in a sense, I guess, I guess they're right. It's not a book. But why do you think this issue is, uh, is important? What, what is the... What is the underlying issue in a sense that they're, they're not actually publishing a book, so they're not competing with the book sales per se, but what is it that the publishers are really uh, nervous about? Uh, well, I definitely will come down at some point to compensation, which I'll circle back to, I suppose. Um, but I, I don't think, and this is just me thinking, right? This is, an, I haven't talked to anybody else and to decide whether this is a book or not a book, but I've never seen anybody say it's a book. I've, I've seen people say it's text. Um, readable text, which is, you know, essentially what's in the book and what you would have the the rights to or, or not to. Um, so yes, it's very different from a book. Absolutely. And we get that. But what we're talking about is whether they had the right to the text as well as the audio um, to create something like this. And it's about compensation. It's about, um, you know, compensating the uh, creators and making sure that when you're selling the rights to something or you're you're making a product that that's kind of brought back and and uh, you can get that money all the way filtered down to the, the creators at the end of the day. I mean, it's kind of a contractual thing because when they, presumably when they signed the contract to do the audio, audio book, they didn't mention that, oh, by the way, we ha- also have the right to uh, create these captions and, and put them on the screen at the same time. Yeah, it's just always, it's exactly right. But you never know. I mean, now you're getting contracts that are, it's hard to say because as technology advances, you don't really know what's going to be possible in the future. And I think what's interesting is a a lot of people, including myself and including IBPA, the larger association that I work for in our statement, have said, you know, we don't think captions is a terrible idea. We don't, we're not against the concept of doing this. We think that a full rollout without a real due diligence is a problem when you're dealing with new technology and you're dealing with copyright issues that haven't been sorted through yet. Um, I just think that there there's more work that could be done to make sure that everything is copacetic here. So, and how, how did this, uh, it just sort of appeared in, was it July or something? Audible said that we're doing this. And then what happened after that? Yeah, there was a story in USA Today in mid-July, um, and that's I think where all all of publishing heard about it. You know, I'm sure there were some deep insiders that had inklings that this was going on. But yeah, a story broke in USA Today um, that this was happening. Very excited that this was happening, and the, and that's when the publishing industry said, "Whoa!" And words like outrageous and copyright infringement uh, started to be thrown around. I'm sure that a number of publishers then called 
audible, to talk through it, to figure it out, to try to figure it out, um, to no avail, apparently. So, I mean, and that brought us all the way up to the late August, I guess, when the Association of American Publishers filed a lawsuit. Um, and I think that's that's what you're talking about, what's been kind of the path and the trajectory of this thing. Yeah, right. Yeah, so that uh, they got about six of the major publishers together um, to file an injunction, as a matter of fact, not a class action lawsuit, just an injunction. And that kind of put a pause on a lot of things that, you know, now it's in the court system. So now Audible, you know, needs to deal with a judge and the judge needs to decide whether he or she thinks this is an infringement or not infringement, um, which has just paused the program essentially at this point. And, and uh, how, how did IBPA get involved and what, what did IBPA do? At the very onset, um, when the injunction was filed, when AAP, the Association of American Publishers, filed the injunction, uh, we published a letter on our website in support of it. Um, you know, that's pretty innocuous, really, mm-hmm. just saying we agree. We think this is, uh, we, we think they're right. We support them. And uh, we published that letter. Um, then, as the injunction was moving forward, and we found out that there was going to be um, a pause or there was going to be an exclusion for just the six publishers that were part of the injunction. So those publishers, uh, their audiobooks would not be put in the program. And we thought that was great, too. And we thought, you know, that obviously came down as part of the injunction. They couldn't move forward with the, those books Um while things were being worked out, but we also thought it was important to broaden that exclusion, if you will, because it's not just the big five and the larger publishers that are affected by this. There's there's a whole community of publishers out there, lots of indies who are too. So we put a call to members. We put out a call to members um, asking them to let us know if they would also like to be considered for exclusion from the program while the legal issues are being resolved. Um, no promises were made. I was very, you know, we're not, we're not part of the injunction. We're not suing anybody. It's not our intentions to be intention to be litigious in this at all. Um, but we just wanted to respectfully request that the pool of publishers be expanded during this process. Um, so that's how we got involved. And then I, and so then you sent a letter to uh, Audible, I guess, expressing your point of view and. Also to AAP and the judge or something like that? We we did send it to Audible, yep. And they sent us a note back that said, uh, well, everyone's excluded, essentially. Yeah. They didn't really, uh, you know, it's a, we can't, uh, we can declare mini victory, I suppose, if you will, because I think that any pressure is good pressure and, and they're feeling that. Um, but they essentially just said, well, we're just putting a pause on everything until this whole thing gets worked out, which for me seems very prudent. Right, uh, but uh, it's not like they said uh, uh, the the, uh, the the publishers who, who put the lawsuit they're they're basically excluded overtly, but the uh, everyone else is just sort of uh, they're excluded by, by de facto. They don't uh, Audible is not saying they have any particular legal standing. They're just putting it on pause. Yeah, correct. And my understanding too is that they're they're going ahead with all the books that are uh, out of copyright or in public domain. So. Clearly, they think that this is an important program, and you wouldn't expect them to give up on it just because they're being sued by, oh, I don't know, Random House, Simon & Schuster, and uh, people like that. Mm-hmm. They are definitely, they have made that clear that public domain works are being worked on and will be rolled out. Um, you know, they have this whole educational angle, too, that 
there, which, you know, I call it an angle that has a little bit of a negative connotation. I, I don't mean it that way because I actually do see the benefit of it. Uh, and what I mean by that is they're saying, you know, there's a lot of high school kids reading these canonized texts. Oh, it would be great if they could listen and read. It increases comprehension. It's better, quote unquote, better to have uh, both going on simultaneously, the reading and the hearing. Um, so they're pushing it in that way too and saying it's going to be wonderful for all the school kids who have to read Jane Eyre, for example, yeah. to be able to listen and read at the same time. But like you say, I mean, nobody says it's, it's a bad idea. There's probably a lot of wonderful things that come out of it, but just to kind of assert the right to do something simply because somebody has, has not said you, you can't do it is, is a bit odd. I mean, particularly for someone <laughs> that has been playing so long in the publishing world and, understands better than anyone what contracts are and limitations and restrictions, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, publishing probably does have a long way to go to modernize its uh, its contract agreements, but uh, it doesn't mean that it's like open season on anyone who spots what they think to be a loophole to just jump in and not expect any blowback. Couldn't have said it better. I think it's like, it's like a perfect example of asking for forgiveness instead of permission Right. Um, in this case. And, yeah, I mean, we're, we'll see where it goes. They're meant to respond to um, today, which today's the 13th of um, September. I don't know when this will go on the air, but they're meant to respond to the AAP's injunction today in writing. Um, so at some point, we'll be able to read, some point soon, we'll be able to read what they say. <laughs> so what, what do you think IBPA could could do in a situation like this? I mean, if uh, IBPA were, were all alone, you know, standing up for the rights of indie, indie publishers, it's very expensive to, to move these lawsuits uh, through the courts. As, aside from, uh, you know, letter writing and put, putting public pressure on large companies, how difficult is it to uh, make your voice heard? Well, it's, you know, it. of course, things are difficult. It doesn't mean that you shouldn't be trying and be, right. you know, saying what you need to say. I think that's important. And, and it's important to know that, you know, AAP at this point hasn't filed a class action law- lawsuit itself because those kinds of things are so big and huge and expensive and time consuming. And because being litigious right out of the gate and, and working in that way has never really solved problems well for all considered right like there's there needs to be negotiation and conversation um consensus building whenever you can um so what we can do i mean i think we can do what we have been doing which is make people aware of the issues uh, be as transparent as we can about what we think about it and uh and you know yeah write our letters publish our pieces uh talk to the media do what we can in that regard good well if people want to uh to follow this issue uh where can they where can they go? Will IBPA be posting um, updates on the website? Yeah, we've got a single uh, string. If you go to Association News on our website, you'll see, and it just says "updated consistently updated." The caption story is being updated. I think the last note there is uh, what we received in response to our letter to Audible, and as soon as we know what they say to AAP in response to their injunction, we'll put information up about it there as well. Well, great. Well, maybe by the time uh, this uh, podcast has been uh, released, there will be uh, more information, and maybe uh, the whole thing will be solved. Audible will say, oops, (laughs) our mistake, sorry. It's Uh, possible. It's possible, or it may go on for the next 20 years, and we'll uh, we'll see where that goes. (laughs) 
Anyway, uh, thanks a lot, Angela. Thanks a lot for your update. Of course. Yeah, happy to do it. Thanks for the opportunity. And uh, we've been talking to Angela Bull, who's the CEO of IBPA. And uh, like I say, for more about the Audible controversy, please go to the IBPA website. Thanks again, Angela. Thank you. Now, as we discussed, this situation is still developing. So to find out more about Audible and IBPA's position, and to read IBPA's letter to Audible, and for the latest on what's happened with the case, judicial review, and so on, go to ibpa-online.org. And you can also check the podcast notes for more links and contact information. If you're a publisher impacted by this case, or if you have any thoughts on audiobooks, ebooks, transcriptions, permissions, I'd love to hear from you. Just tweet your comments to at Peter Goodman or at IBPA on Twitter. Well, that does it for this edition of Inside Independent Publishing with IBPA. Once again, be sure to check out IBPA at ibpa-online.org. I'm Peter Goodman, and as my bosses in Japan used to say, let's have publishing fun. <laughs>